Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. What were your best, worst movies, TV series of 2021? What did you love? What surprised you? What really disappointed you? That's what we're going to talk about now with our guests coming on now. Perfect guests to talk about this. Our dear friends from the Projector Cinema, one of my favourite cinemas, probably the favourite cinema in Singapore, Karen Tan, the co-founder of the Projector, and Emily Ho, executive director of the Singapore International Film Festival. Ladies, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi, John. Hi, Neil. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you for joining us. You are the last guests in the last show of 2021, no pressure, we're looking back, me and Dan are happy, not much can go wrong now, let's see. <laughs> oh my God, that's a heavy mantle to wear, but we'll try. All right, we'll let's, start with, let's start with you, Karen, uh, co-founder of The Projector. As I said, I was thinking about this, Karen, before we came on air. I've only been to the cinema, I think, four times in 2021, partly COVID, partly too busy, three of them were the projector three of them were the projector so no i i think it's a great cinema what so let's talk about that it's the festive season the holidays are here what's on what's on at the projector over the holiday season oh wow okay that's a big question i'll try to kind of like well the 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 short answer is there's lots on lots on um but i'll try to condense this so we've got the nordic film festival on um so we're doing 10 films in 10 days and these are films from Norway, Denmark, Finland, Iceland, and Sweden. Um, we're only doing one screening each of each film over the Christmas period, so do check out our website for details. We're also showing um, the Wes Anderson's new release, which is The French Dispatch. And alongside that, over Christmas, we're also doing a Wes Anderson showcase of, you know, the good old favorites, the Grand Budapest Hotel, Royal Tenenbaums, Isle of Dogs, all the kind of um, good Christmassy type um, films. We're also doing um, sneaks of the, the controversial film, um, The House of Gucci. Um, that's the one that kind of upset the Gucci family makes, because um, they say it makes them look like thugs, apparently. Um, mm. So we're sneaking those over Christmas. Um, and also, lastly, we're also showing something called um, Mulholland Drive. Great um, that's film. That's the David Lynch. Fantastic film. It's actually 20 years old now and still relevant. So for all you Gen Zs who have no clue what I'm talking about, it's a must-watch. It's If you like, you know, mind-scrambling, trippy sort of thrillers, this is up your alley. Go watch it. You probably have to watch it a few times, and you'll still not know what's going on, but it's brilliant. Dan, it is a great film. So. My Holland Drive is a stone-cold <laughs> classic. A you have I'll to see it. it. Yeah. I do want to see The House of Gucci, just because if I hear about Lady Gaga's Italian accent one the more time, I think I go crazy. Apparently she kept it for six months or something. <laughs> but uh, it's all about the accent. I cannot wait to see Lady Gaga's Italian accent. All right, Emily, let's come to you as Executive Director of Singapore International Film Festival. Let's look back 2021. What were some of your cinematic highlights of the year? Well, I mean, we were a bit crazy. It was our second pandemic festival, but we had 113 films, uh, 77 screenings. I hope that fourth screening you went to, Neil, was part of the festival lineup. Of course. Yes, it was. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> So my my uh, viewing pleasure has has been um, a little bit decimated 
just because we're trying to work around all the challenges with with the festival. And then running around during the festival, I watched like five minute snippets of lots of films. Uh, and actually, this sounds terrible, but because you're running around so much, I watched one feature. Oh no, two features and one short out of, of out of the whole entire uh, festival. Um, but they were the ones that I, I wanted to watch. So um, we had one screening, which was um, The Scene Unseen by mm. Abdul Nizam and, and friends. Uh, and it's a documentary about the indie music scene in, in Singapore, uh, the challenges, um, highs and lows. Um, and we did that at the Esplanade and, and we had a mini concert as well uh, with the Odd Fellows and Obstacle Upsurge. Wonderful. So that was a pretty amazing experience where we, we did a screening and a, and a live concert, and especially when you know live music has, has been so pummeled during yeah, this period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yes, it's been a, a it's, yeah, it's been a tough year for all of us on the COVID artistic front, and, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Karen, either personal choices, something you've seen on stream, or something you've put on at the projector. What has been one or two of your cinematic highlights of the year? What really stood out for you? Loads to choose from. So we did the Wong Kar Wai showcase um, earlier this year, and that was really, really well received. And he's a classic. It's also cinematically beautiful. Um, Nomadland, probably one of those that that would go down at the top, go up at the top of my list. Uh, and also, we did a documentary called The um, Alpinist, uh, which is still um, showing occasionally, um, and that's about a guy who, um, who 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 basically just does this ridiculous solo climbs up these like ridiculous, like Im- ridiculously impossible um, snow-capped mountains and and sheer cliff faces, mm. um, and it, it's just a celebration of. His, of him and also it was just it really touched me because it was the exuberance of life that he had which is something that you know I felt was was kind of missing in this in the last two years of COVID yeah um, so yeah for me those would be those would be the two um, yeah and also we did the European Film Festival this year despite despite all the sort of heightened alerts and everything um, and that was really great as well because we we had like 23 countries kind of have films um, come in, so that that's something that we um, we're really happy to pull off, and also really grateful for everyone for um, supporting us in that. You've both reminded me of one of my cinematic highlights in a way. Emily mentions the the struggling music scene, and Karen, you talk about your highlights. One of mine was at the projector, and this is going to make me look old and sad, and I don't care, but. It was watching the Oasis Nebworth documentary at the projector. Oh my God! Which, yes, I was. Yes, yes, that which, would be mine too. For those who, that was the twenty-fifth anniversary of one of the biggest rock gigs that the UK has ever seen, and I was there at the actual gig at Nebworth. I was there, and not only was I there, this is not a plug, but it it, it became the prologue of my first book about Singapore because I left for Singapore shortly after the Nebworth gig. And not only that, Karen, I was mugged at knife point the knife the night before the Nebworth gig. So on the Saturday night I was mugged at knife point. On the Sunday I saw Oasis at Nebworth. And for those younger folks who maybe don't remember, for a very brief period, and it was very brief before they imploded, Oasis were the biggest band on the planet, you know, as big as Coldplay, U2, whatever. It was very brief, but they were. And I was there at the Zenith, and then shortly after that, I came to Singapore. So watching that film 
in the projector, I was slightly apprehensive first because I thought it was going to be, frankly speaking, a load of sad middle-aged ungmores, you know, <laughs> expats reminiscing about Lost Call Britannica, and it was going to be the most depressing experience of my life. But I was pleased to say uh, the vast majority of uh, in the audience that I was at were Singaporean. People forget that Oasis were very big in Singapore too. And um, it was a great experience. It, it was enough to stop me wanting to get up and dance because, to Emily's point, it felt like a lost world. You know, 70,000, it was 100,000 people. No mobile phones back then. That's something else. But 100,000 people up, dancing, cheering, celebrating. It felt like a lost world. So that was a real highlight for me, Karen. So thanks for that at the projector. Um, now we're going to get, I wouldn't say bitchy. Well, I suppose it is bitchy. But what would be some of the disappointments of the year? You know, you went to see a movie or a TV series, can be Hollywood, can be anything, and it just didn't work out the way you thought it was going to be. Karen, do you want to go first? That's a, that's a bit of a loaded question. but um, Not really. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like from an artistic standpoint. I mean, I, I, I tell you a reverse one, a Hollywood one. I saw uh, Shang-Chi, expecting not to like it, and I did. And I haven't seen The Eternals for that very reason because I'm scared of the negative press it's had. And I want the film to be good because I like what the film is trying to achieve. You know, it's, it's, it's multi-representational and so on and so on. But the reviews are so bad that I'm actually scared to see it. So uh, in case I, I share that view. So, um, yeah, well, either of you. Yeah. Sorry, Karen. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess for me, well, obliquely, this is probably going to be a bit of a more than a, a comment, I suppose, generally um, on, on, well, on um, one of our, one of the IMDA rules that we we kind of like some we have to deal with. Um, so so I think earlier, uh, some sometime this year we showed the um, Anita Mui uh, documentary, and that when I watched it, that was um, the Chinese um, dubbed version, and I think I would and you know I think I would and many of the audience also um, probably share a similar sentiment would have liked to see it like in its kind of the Chinese dialect version, the original sort of Chinese dialect version. Hmm. Um, that as well as the Wong Kai Wai sort of showcase where all the films had to be the Chinese versions as opposed to the dialect versions. Um, and that's actually because we've got um, a ruling, uh, we've got a regulation where, um, you know, Chinese dialects are, are not allowed to be screened um, in theatrical screenings. But however, there are actually no restrictions on um, streaming platforms. So... So we're kind of hoping that, you know, going forward that, you know, the IMDA can possibly review this policy and kind of allow us to show um, some of these films in, you know, the Chinese dialect original format. I think that would really add a lot to, um, you know, the audience experience. So, yeah, that's that would be my disappointment. And I'm sure many dialect speakers would probably agree with you <laughs> as well. Emily, what about you? I mean, if you don't want to use the word disappointment, if you want to sit on the fence, uh, a film that surprised you in some way, I don't know. I mean, what would you pick out? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably take a slightly more diplomatic approach <laughs> to this one. There's a film that has got quite a lot of awards buzz, so Jen, Jen Campion's latest film that is on Netflix at the moment. The Power um, of the Dog, right? Is it The Power of the Dog? Is that what it's called? Yes. Uh, the Benedict, yeah, yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch film, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was probably distracted when I was trying to watch it, so it, it may not have got a fair run, but it just wasn't for me. And I'm quite careful about this because so many different people have, have different personal takes on things. 
Of course. Um, so for the film festival, which is um, very much about independent films, you're going to get a huge diversity of storylines and, and formats and et cetera. Um, so what I like is taking the risk and watching short film programs because you might have five films to watch. You might hate two of them, so that's okay. But they're over quite quickly. And then you move on to the next one. So it's like, as an audience member, you're taking the audience risk and going, okay, I have no idea what I'm gonna see in the next hour. So let's just see. And you know that you're probably not going to love all of them. Uh, but that's, that's also part of the journey. And then you go, oh, remember when I watched those short films five years ago? Look where they are now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I find that those can be really quite surprising because you, you don't really have very much expectation of what it is that you're going to see. I agree. And those are my surprises, fine. Yeah. I, I agree, and our viewers and readers clearly do as well. Uh, Justin Ho says, the SFF and the projector helping to keep culture alive in Singapore. Amazing. Mike Ung says, I like that concert where Oasis sang against Manchester United. Was that the Networth concert? Yes, it was. LL Tan, dialects should be embraced. Reason for the ban is obsolete. I'm not supposed to talk politics on this show, LL Tan. Uh, Rob Salisbury agree with you Emily watch the power of the dog based on her work with the piano and others thought power of the dog was a lost message and a bit of a dog's breakfast (laughs) (laughs) see that's the beauty of cinema right everyone has different views it's fantastic Karen I wanted to ask you and then maybe get Emily's thoughts I'm very interested in how cinema has evolved quite rapidly and out of necessity in the last two years. I applaud what Projector did with your hybrid model very early on. You said streaming is here today. We either embrace it or we don't and we take a risk of whatever. So you've got that dual model of streaming. You know, you can watch the movies at home or go to the cinema. And I'm saying this. I like the fact that when you go to the projector, it feels like a whole experience. You can have a drink, you can, you know, social distancing and so on. You can have a drink, you can have a chat. It's more than just the movie. My question, I suppose, is for both of you is, has streaming demonstrated once and for all that you've really got to differentiate that cinematic experience from the stay-at-home, watch-on-a-big-flat-screen TV experience if you want to stay relevant, Karen? Yeah, I think... um Interestingly, well, firstly, thank you for your support of um, our streaming platform, The Projector Plus. And, you know, yes, you know, once COVID happened, we had to kind of like branch out and pivot early. Um, and we did all that. And then, um, and I think, you know, the learning that we've, you know, for, for us in the last two years is, it's, is that, you know, the online sort of streaming experience can't replace the sort of IRL in-person experience when you're immersed in a place, a little physical space, like, this is not background. I'm actually sitting in our new place, the Projector X, right now. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of like the, the vibe and the energy. It's something that's kind of intangible and something that cannot be kind of just recreated based on your laptop sitting at home. And it's got to do with, you know, the, peop- the other people who are there coming together to watch a film. The fact that you can literally, as you say, you know, have a night out, you know. And I think that's kind of what we offer at the Projector. It's not just you know, passive consumption of film, but, you know, something a bit, like, a lot more engaging. You actually have a full night out, you take, you have a drink, you unpack the film with your friends after the, um, after the event. 
And um, also the fact that lots of other things happen at the projector. It's not just film, but we also have talks that, you know, um, talks and art markets and all sorts of things that happen. So really it's like, you know, when you come here, we hope we're creating a space where people can just, you know, be themselves, be relaxed, come here, enjoy film, you know, be curious about things, have good chats, have good food and, and some good booze. Um, yeah, and, and just, you know, and and so, that's and that's the difference, Emily, isn't it? It's not necessarily an either or thing. I can go home and watch Succession on HBO, which I think is one of the great yes. TV series of the last few years. That's I can, fantastic. Yes. It's a brilliant TV series. It's my recommendation for the holidays, folks. Succession on HBO Go, magnificent. But you can still go and have the cin- cinematic experience as well. I mean, what are your thoughts, Emily, as someone who organises festivals on where you see cinema heading or what cinema needs to do in 2022? So in 2020, the festival was hybrid. We had we had 65 screenings in person and 65 titles online. This with year, <laughs> yes, with the projector plus. Um, and this year we went okay. And quite early on, we said if we can, we are going to try and have every single screening in person. Um, and we did. So 77 screenings in you know five, seven different venues. Um, the experience, oh, by the way, Projector has fantastic food. So you, you, I mean, that, that F&B element for any cinema kind of makes that experience. And you, you can't sort of minimize the impact of that whole experience that you have, that smell of popcorn that you walk in, drink in one hand, popcorn in the other. Even if you're not hungry, you buy it anyway, because that's what you do at the cinema. And that anticipation when the lights start to go down, you get blasted by amazing sound and you're in this cushy seat and then there's this silence as everyone's just waiting. And you don't get that at home. You're folding washing, you're doing your online shopping, you know, you're doing 10,000 other things. And then you have this shared experience of me sometimes laughing in the wrong times and then no one else does. And go, oh, is it only me that finds this funny? Um, and, you know, walking out and hearing other people's conversations about their own takes on what you've all just seen that can be completely divergent. And that's the beauty of it. Uh, so just having these conversations around what you've just seen, what you've just experienced, a disappointment for some person and an and absolutely magical experience for another. And, and it's fantastic. And you, I, and I don't think you can replicate it, but there is a time and a place for watching titles when you are at home and you're like, oh, I can't quite get out, but I really want to see this. And I'm okay with this sort of mindset of watching it on my TV or on my computer, my phone if I have to. Uh, But then making that step and having that flexibility of then going into a cinema and having that whole, you know, sense sensory overload experience. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And finally, for both of you, it is the holiday season. Give us a recommendation, a go-to film, a festive classic, whatever you like, a movie that you always go to during the holiday season. Karen first, then Emily. Karen, it's the holidays, glass of wine, you're on your sofa, you've got one movie to pick, what would it be? Oh my God, one. <laughs> All right, but well, we haven't got much time. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, one. Uh... Um, well, I mean, I, I think I think Wes Anderson's probably an easy sort of feel good. Which one? Uh, Which one? Situation. So, so um, I would I would go with um, I would go with the Royal Tenenbaums actually. The Royal Tenenbaums. A nice yeah. quirky festive choice. Okay, Emily. 
I don't know why. I don't think no, I've no, ever been asked true. this question before. <laughs> I'm glad I got some extra thinking time. Uh, for some reason, it was either the 1956 version of um, Romeo and Juliet by Zeffirelli. It's very random. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, as good a choice as any, or, yeah. Or uh, the Thomas Crown Fair. That, which one? There's two. The Piers Brosnan one oh, or the original? The Piers Brosnan one. Not bad choices. Of course, you're both wrong. There is only one holiday movie to watch, and that's <laughs> Die Hard. Everybody knows it's Die Hard. It's set on Christmas Eve. Lots of terrorists die. It's Bruce Willis running around with no shoes on. What else could you possibly want on Christmas Eve except Die Hard? But if you have a more cultured choice than mine, then go online to the projector and see Karen's fantastic schedule yeah, for holidays. Yeah, to choose from, exactly. Thank yeah. you. Karen, thank you very much. Emily, thank you very much. All the best to you and your families for the holidays. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your support, guys. Cheers, guys. All the best. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.